And Sean, we are wrestling yep. with friends. We're friends that talk about wrestling, obviously, and this is our podcast where we record those conversations. Um, we talk about the events in the ring that we love, the business behind it. We talk about what beers and booze mostly Dave is drinking um, and usually celebrate the fun of attending wrestling events back when we were able to do that. Now, we all became friends about 25 years ago in the 1990s. Watching wrestling has always been a big part of our friendships. As And, you know, this is our time to catch up and reminisce about this awesome form of entertainment. I'm right now located in upstate New York in the town of Stillwater still. Well, outside, I don't know. where the, I'm actually like, turns out I'm where the Battle of Saratoga happened. Like everywhere there's like, this person was killed here. This person was killed here. It's crazy. Uh, so we went to the... We went there and toured the fields of that. So that's what we're doing. Something good social distancing activities to do with the kids. Um, and you have to go uh, tour a battlefield. I mean, it's just a nice park now. It's just a state park. Mm. I mean, it's nature. Like the kids could just run around. They don't see anybody. And like, okay. yeah, so it's nice. It's good. It's good. Cool. There's an old cannon. It's kind of cool. <laughs> and that person is Shondi Pasquale, our man in Los Angeles, California. Shondi D, our inside, our insider into the entertainment world. How are we doing this week? I'm like more of like your insider to the fringe of the entertainment world, but we're all I'm fine. Fringe, I'm good. Well, <laughs> we're all uh, fringe. Maybe. I'm good. I'm good. I've been um, I've been keeping busy by playing video games, uh, and. Uh, I got a new uh, chair uh, uh, posture pillow for my uh, office chair. So my posture is better than it's ever been. And my sciatic nerve pain is uh, slowly going away. That's great. What are you playing? I'm playing, I'm replaying the Dragon Age series. There was a big, I've, I've been getting, I got a, a computer, a, a real good PC. So I've been getting into uh, over the last year playing shit on my PC. And uh, there was, like, a huge sale on Dragon Age games. So I bought, like, all three of the Dragon Age games for, I think, in total, I spent, like, 26 bucks, which was, like, great for, you know, 60, 100 and, like, 180 hours of content. Um, so I've been just been doing that. I'm really just killing time waiting for, uh, waiting for Baldur's Gate 3 to come out. That's, that's really all I want to do. But it's still, oh, yeah. like, months away. Oh yeah, D and D life, baby. <laughs> and asking yeah. about the video games is our legal expert, a lawyer specializing in intellectual property and, of course, social media law. Ethan, you sent me a pic today that's up on our Instagram now. Check it out at Wrestling with Friends. Uh, is that what we are on Instagram? <laughs> I'm such a social media professional. Check it out at Friends. Yeah, check it out at Friends. Yeah, yeah, no, wrestling with friends at wrestling with friends. <laughs> That's what we are on the Instagram. Um, but I saw you hanging out in Salt Lake City wearing a mask. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, what have you been up to, bud? You know, just hanging out with Marty Scroll, the villain here in Salt Lake City, for another two days, and then I'm back on the road, and I am heading north. That's it, just north to Canada. No, no, oh, Canada won't let us in. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, can't Bill, go north, can't Bill, go south. <laughs> build, build that wall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, did. I'll be headed to, uh, to Jackson Hole for about a week and a half. Nice, nice. What is Jackson Hole? I actually, so, I've been to Jackson Hole. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. What is it? Dave will know more than me. Uh, well, I'll tell you what Jackson Hole is, and Dave can tell you a bit about Jackson. So there is two gigantic mountain ranges. You have Yellowstone National Park, and then you have the Grand Tetons. And these giant mountain ranges have a small hole in the middle of them. 
Uh-huh. That's where the town of Jackson sits. Oh, so it is cool. the last of the Old West towns. There are saloons, stagecoaches, um, tons of hiking, tons of national parks. And I'll be doing things like whitewater rafting, hiking, <laughs> uh, fishing, and podcasting from the hole in between the mountains. Could you do Dana. a podcast from the raft? Yeah. That would yeah, be fun. Just I call us on your cool phone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I feel like you guys were making some sort of untoward joke about me, but I actually have been to Jackson Hole. Um, <laughs> I went there for our buddy uh, Tish's bachelor party. It was a very different experience because it was in the middle of winter. And like it was literally like looking in just a drawing with no background. Like it was just white wherever you were. It's super expensive. Um, Wait, why was it so white? Like the people were white? Well, the the people were white and the snow is everywhere. Oh, it's snowy there. It's, oh, I, I was imagining we more like a desert. When we went, it's no, it's big skiing. Um, Dick Cheney lives there. So that's uh, oh. that's the thing you need. That's the thing that's there. There's this awesome okay. like um, town square that is made out of just like antlers. And it's fucking crazy. Like you walk into this and like, I mean, when we walked into it into the, in the snow, uh, you know, f- tore up in the middle of the night and we see this thing, it's like, whoa, this, this is rad. So yeah, Ethan, you're gonna get some good Instagram there. Nice, yeah, man, looking forward to it. <laughs> it's a burly town, it's a burly town. We did <laughs> not see many women on this bachelor party. All right, uh, I'll fit right yeah. in. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's what you want in a bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. There's this. We went to the saloon. Went to the saloon, and they were they had this dead bear. I mean, like a stuffed bear there, and it was this tiny bear. And I was like, "This bear is smaller than me." I stood up next to it. I'm like, "Why are they proud of killing this bear?" So you'll see this little bear. It sucks. Hunting. Maybe it died by accident. Do you know that they killed it? No, no. They had the gun next to it. Like this was a, caught at this. Oh, I maybe it was a suicide. <laughs> Who, where's, what, one topic it's we have not yet discussed is the professional wrestling bears, which exist. <laughs> they do. They I'm do. going they to do. wrestle this bear. <laughs> in, well, in, I think it's dead, Ethan. I, yeah, it's not like much of a victory. <laughs> um, in Bret Hart's autobiography, which I, which Ethan bought years ago and has never read, it's an important part of books. Um, Truth. Happy books. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he talks about the bear that spent a lot of time at their house because, like, Stu, Stu Hart, their dad, ran the, ran the local federation. And a, a, an attraction that they had a lot, that moved through town a lot, was a wrestling bear. What was his name? I do not remember. Mm. Terrible mm. Ted was Stu Hart's <laughs> wrestling bear. Born in 1949, a Canadian-American black bear lived in <laughs> Stu Hart's home, worked for Stampede Wrestling, where, wait for it, a young Bret Hart would let him lick ice cream off his feet. <laughs> yeah. It's terrible it's, Ted. It's, it's Jacob's favorite bear. <laughs> <laughs> terrible Ted. Oh. oh, terrible Ted. That's that's terrible Ted. Wow. 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 You know, did you drink one for terrible Ted tonight, huh? Oh, big one up for terrible Ted. Okay. <laughs> we hardly knew ye. Speaking of drinking, is anybody having anything to drink tonight besides me? Whiskey. Whiskey. What kind of whiskey are you drinking? I'm drinking. Well, I'm drinking Bullet, so technically bourbon, but yeah, I yeah. just call every I just call everything brown whiskey. Yeah, well, including uh, my poops. Bur- uh, bullet seems to be bur- bur- <laughs> bur- Bullet seems to be the official bourbon of our podcast. So feel free to send us some. <laughs> hey, man. hey, listen. I couldn't get him to send us some with my last podcast, boss. So. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. And speaking of sponsors, I'm drinking Bud Light. <laughs> Bud Lights. I went too heavy on the whiskey last night, and uh, which was, again, bourbon. It was Makers. But, uh, yeah, I had a, a slow down tonight with just 100 Bud Lights. Yeah. Well, you should be drinking what I'm drinking, which is Lime Cucumber Gatorade Thirst Quencher. Boom. 
Well, this week we've got some banging trademark wars, big news on belts all over the place. We break down where all of this week's coming free agents are signing. And in the morning of The Undertaker announcing his retirement, we, as in Jewish custom, sit Shiva for the Phenom's career and more like Terrible Ted the Wrestling Bear, apparently. So with, with <laughs> that in mind, it's time to kick right into it. Trademark Wars. Trademark Wars. Intellectual property. Intellectual property. IP. IP. Intellectual property. You gotta find a trademark. Copyrights. Trademarks. Trademark Wars. Oh, yeah. All right, Ethan. So, uh, you, you, uh, what's going on in the world of trademark wars right now? Yeah, so few episodes, we thought that Cody Rhodes was going to own the trademark to Cody Rhodes. WWE let their trademark abandon, and Cody went ahead and filed a trademark. So he's all good. He owns his name, free and clear, right? I don't know. Nope. What a twist. He, no. Nope. <laughs> so this one's really sneaky and unusual. We thought, Ooh. and I think Cody Rhodes had said, there was like a handshake deal between Vince and Cody that that they that WWE was going to own all the IP, but to let Cody Rhodes own Cody Rhodes' name. And then we thought that that was the case because they didn't file their renewal paperwork and Cody went in and filed a trademark application until WWE did something sneaky. After I don't like them. Your, I don't like them. <laughs> after your deadline passes, there is the ability to pay a few hundred bucks to the government and say, oops, I'm sorry, I blew my deadline, but I'd like to revive that application and uh, and get the trademark back, and they did that. So the moment wow. Cody Rhodes stepped on the mat, stepped on the carpet thinking it was theirs, WWE pulled it right out from under him, and Cody Rhodes' reaction was like, hey man, look, this is business. If that's what they wanna do as part of their negotiation, um, you know, I can't take it personal. We, we expected them to do something like this. So Cody Rhodes does not own the trademark to Cody Rhodes. It's still in WWE's hands for now. I would like, <clears throat> I would like to do a brief reenactment of how this went in real time. It was the WWE said, uh, "Hey, uh, Cody Rhodes, what do you think about us not renewing the trademark to this?" And Cody Rhodes was like, "Oh, that would be pretty." And then WWE was like, "It doesn't matter what you think." And then they did it anyway. Like, he's, Cody's like, "You guys brought Dwayne in just to yell that at me? Come on, man! It's not necessary." <laughs> right. Now, here's the thing. Here's here's what's really interesting. When you do that. You have to have good cause for why you missed the deadline in the first place. Any idea what WWE said was good cause while they didn't keep up? Coronavirus. What's the coronavirus? COVID. We, ah! It's COVID. Yeah. You know, there was a, there was a oh. virus, so we couldn't calendar our deadlines. Uh, yeah, it's called it's called uh, it's called COVID convenience. convenience. Oh man. Uh, yeah, it's only when it's oh. only when it's convenience for them. <laughs> To acknowledge that COVID is a real yeah. thing. Meanwhile, how many wrestlers uh, uh, tested positive for coronavirus this week? A bunch, a bunch. Um, we'll get to some of that. Yeah, um, of Ethan, I have a question for you. You said before that uh, Cody Rhodes mentioned that this is just part of the negotiation. What? Um, what? Where? How is there a negotiation? You know, it seems like WWE is going to get that IP. <laughs> what is he? What? What is left to negotiate for on Cody Rhodes's half? The half now. Ah, uh, so okay. <laughs> When you are a trademark owner, you basically own the Golden Goose. You have the exclusive right to use that name, but you can license that name out to other people under certain circumstances. So you can give someone permission to use your trademark so long as you follow certain contractual rules. And for consideration, for letting somebody use your trademark, you usually get something back in return, whether it's money, whether it's dropping your claim to stew uh, Bash at the Bash Beach, at the beach uh -huh. or some other types of IP or Hog Wild or, or, what, or War Games. Um, uh -huh. So we think that this is a situation where WWE is like, look, we have absolutely no incentive not to retain this. And then we have some sort of leverage in licensing out the name 
to Cody, to AEW, to nobody, but you know, why just give it away when their their biggest competitor sees value in that IP? Well, it, it seems like WWE has really woken up and playing hardball with with them um, in typical WWE fashion where it's like both hardball and it also seems p- personal where uh, they counter-programmed against um, uh, AEW's TV, uh, you know, pay-per-view event that was on TV, which was uh, Fighter Fest. They counter-programmed uh, with the Great American Bash on NXT. Now, Great American Bash is like, as Dusty Rhodes, WCW as it gets. So, you know what I mean? They're really, I don't see the WWE negotiating, you know, licensing it to Cody Rhodes. I say they're going to hang on to that and they're going to own the, they're going to control the Rhodes legacy, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the business. Cody's, Cody's quote was as follows. It's not as sultry, scandalous as reported. It's just business. They've seen the same data we have, and they know they can make big money off the brand, even if it's not in their house. Trying to license me is flattering, but it doesn't stop the train from moving. No grudge. So I think you're right. I think he's going to move on and whatever it is, it is. And he knows that it's business. And it is. And it is what it is. Yeah, it's business as usual. This is the nature of the beast. Can't beat him, sue him. Or in this case, you know, just... Use whatever legal leverage that you can. And uh, Vince McMahon and, and the president are best friends and buds. So they'll find a way to make it work. And I just want to say good job, Cody, yeah. for no selling Vince, no selling, you know, uh, losing that case. And then also putting himself over like, yes, I know I'm very valuable. <laughs> so good job there, Cody. <laughs> um, what else do we have? I heard um, some old school trademark um business is going on what what's what's that going what's that ethan yeah man the rock and roll express is back and better than ever filing (laughs) a trademark in connection with professional wrestling appearances and gear um if you recall rock and roll express uh was way back in the day they were nwa tag team champions prior to their wcw days one of the best tag teams of all time yeah So yeah. they had it first, and they're trying to have it last. So they're they're trying to file for their name again. Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson, the old Rock and Roll Express. WWE Hall of Famers. Wow. Um, their Hall of Fame speech. I hope the old USA Cartoon Express comes back next. <laughs> that was a weird tangent. That was a weird stream of uh, consciousness there. Um, <laughs> That's what I hope. <laughs> and then um, – you know, actually, um, this segues into our next conversation, which is about belts. But over on AEW, Taz has brought back the FTW. Is that the For the Win belt? No, it's Fuck the World. Uh, but has brought back the FTW <laughs> belt, which he held in ECW. Is that kosher? How's does WC does WWE own? Doesn't don't they own ECW's? Uh, you know, all their trademarks and stuff. Yeah, so the answer is yes, WWE owns whatever ECW owned, but ECW didn't own this belt. This Ah. is one of the things that we've been preaching to the choir from day one, which is if you are an independent wrestler, if you are a wrestler, if you're in the wrestling industry, it behooves you to protect yourself by owning your intellectual property. So you have rights to this stuff long after you work for the Evil Empire slash WWE. So what happened here is Taz created his own belt back in ECW. Uh, All the assets of ECW were then sold to WWE, but this belt itself was never an asset that ECW had the right to transfer. Taz held on to it, brought it back to AEW, and did what, what all great world champions do, which is get a belt for free, just like my man Dolph Ziggler won the WWE World Heavyweight Champion because Vicky Guerrero just handed the vacant title to him. And that was one of the best title wins of all time, in my opinion. Didn't last very long. I think it lasted about two hours, uh, that first title reign. I think it was not recognized as an official reign or something also. I don't know. I don't know. Probably. But anyway, this belt's back. It's, It's back on the Brian Cage. And it just gives you a good example of if you own your stuff, uh, look at the difference between Cody Rhodes' situation where he doesn't even own the trademark to 
his family name, uh, as opposed to Taz, who was a little bit proactive, went out there. Not only did he bring the belt himself to ECW, but he had the foresight to go ahead and copyright the belt with him as the individual owner. No one from ECW or WWE challenged it, and therefore he has the right to use this belt how he chooses, and he's brought it to WWE's biggest competitor. Boom, boom shakalaka. Well, there we have that. Now in further belt news, um, um, the US title has been redesigned. Um, you know, it, it's had a design for I don't know how many years, but it seemed like a long time, at least 10 years has been the last design, which was very flag oriented. They've redesigned it. It's a little bit more subtle. I mean, there's definitely an eagle there, um, but it's more in the style of AEW and New Japan and uh, belts right now. Um, what do you guys think? Have you seen it? I like it. I think it's cool. As yeah, I like. I haven't seen it yet. I like the U.S. title oh, belt. Sorry, go ahead. I thought that looked cool. I think they also redid the Intercontinental title belt, which looks awful. But I, I like what they've done with the belt. I think it looks neat. I like this one better than the IC redesign. I agree with you on that. The, that one, you know, I think the U.S. championship, the U.S. title has never really had a great designed belt. Um, so I'm receptive to change on that and innovation. But I think the IC belts, like, is one of those, like, it ain't, bro- it ain't, it ain't broke, don't fix it things. Um, yeah, that belt's been iconic for sure. While we're on the subject of the U.S. title, um, any memorable uh, stories or you know good memories about that belt, Ethan? Yeah, I mean, my favorite memory of the U.S. title is right when I started getting into watching WCW wrestling. It was 1993 Starcade, and speaking of the Rhodes, the title holder was the natural Dustin Rhodes, and he was challenged by a little-known performer that many of us uh, probably have overlooked, Stunning Steve Austin. And <laughs> Whatever happened to that guy? <laughs> this, was, this was prior to Stone Cold. Uh, Stunning Steve Austin was managed by Colonel Robert Parker, and he was one half of a tag team, the Hollywood Blondes. Hell yeah. And Dave, you know who his tag team partner was? Flying Brian Pillman, baby. Exactly. Uh, in fact, back in 1993, they were rated the, the number 50 on the PWI's top 500. That is the Hollywood Blonde. So they were having a good run, but stunning Steve with his long blonde hair uh, before shaving and becoming so cold, had a really good singles career in WCW. He challenged Dustin Rhodes for a best two out of three fall match, which I remember being incredibly iconic. And it really comes, it, it's, it's, it's widely known as one of the most underrated matches of all time. Now, what I like most about that matchup is uh, stunning Steve Austin won the U.S. title belt in a best two out of three. But do you know what the fall count was? What's that? Two. It was 2-0. Dustin didn't get a pin. And every time that I watch a wrestling match at his best two out of three falls, it's always one guy gets a fall, the other guy gets a fall, and there's all this drama about the last one. It's very rare, unless you've got like a squash match angle, that you're going to have someone win both falls. And I thought that that was just, it was so unsurprising. It was so, excuse me, it's so surprising to watch a finish of that nature go down in that match. And Dustin still dominated most of the match. One of the falls that stunning Steve Austin won was because Carver Parker jumped up on top of the ropes and, <laughs> and Dustin threw Stunning Steve into Colonel Robert Parker and then Steve Austin went over the top rope and Dustin lost the first fall due to a disqualification because um, throwing people over the top rope during the early 90s in WCW was ground for disqualification. Yeah, that was a weird Jim Hurd thing. It was a weird thing. Yeah. So that's that's one of my classic U.S. title matches, and uh, really my, my one of my big starts in getting into WCW wrestling. Well, uh, I'm gonna give that a hell yeah as I crack open another Steve Weiser. Um, you know what? You convinced <laughs> me. My next opportunity to log on to the WWE Network, I'm gonna watch that one because uh, that sounds awesome. I've heard about that match, but. Um, I don't know if I've re- seen it recently or remember seeing it, so I'm going to fucking check that out. 
Now, Hell yeah. now I, you know, obviously, I think the U.S. title's greatest days were in the NWA and WCW. Um, um, but my, I think, favorite is from the last era of the belt, of the one that they just retired. That design was actually from the John Cena Open Challenge because that storyline was one of the best WWE storylines I've watched in the modern era where – John Cena, who had long been the the world champion, had taken, you know, not even the secondary belt. It was at one point, like, maybe even the third belt or 2B. Two, two but he took this belt and made it really relevant, did an open challenge and said, anybody can come out and, ta- and uh, challenge me for this belt. So he gave a lot of new guys and a lot of people the rub, like, just by being there with a Hall of Fame world champion caliber icon – uh, being in the ring with that, um, it was awesome. We saw uh, Sami Zayn debut. We saw Kevin Owens debut in the WWE at the time as the NXT champion. I watched that on a plane on like JetBlue, and I was bugging. I was marking the fuck out on the plane. It was awesome. Uh, rarely enjoy, enjoy watching anything on a plane, but it was a great experience. Um, and that, of course, culminated in the WWE champion Seth Rollins challenging him at SummerSlam. And, uh, you know, it was a winner take both belts. Um, it was at that time, the first time that had been done in the WWE. Although I believe Bill Goldberg held the US title when he won the WCW world title from Hollywood Hogan. But um, it was the first, it would be the first time in WWE that someone had, had held the WWE championship and the US championship. And, it was a crazy match. It looked like John Cena was going to win because John Stewart, who is the celebrity host, was obviously going to help the baby face. And people were booing and going nuts. And then fucking John Stewart went heel and hit John Cena. You know, uh, I don't know. It aided aided Seth Rollins in defeating John Cena with a chair and it was amazing and Seth Rollins no one thought I mean he was the heel but he was the baby face that night in Brooklyn uh, that was awesome that was just I think the best of the US title in my opinion well, yeah from a, okay, from a higher level what are your guys' general thoughts on the intercontinental title and the US title meaning you didn't watch much WCW Sean but the US title was basically your secondary belt, just like the Intercontinental belt. It was basically the the, I, the Intercontinental belt. Yeah, I mean, my felt feeling on the Intercontinental belt was that it never made sense to me because world is Intercontinental. <laughs> I get why it's a necessary marketing tool to have a secondary belt to be able to promote another person as having a belt. But I think that like, there should just be one champion and one tag team champion and one woman. But in champion. you know, in boxing, you know? there's always like there's different champions. There's welterweights. There's you know all these different kinds of things. Sure, but that's literally divided by classes. There's nothing to divide. If they wanted to do that, maybe they they like I would I would be more into it if they did it that way, which is something that I was hoping AEW would maybe do before they well, they launched, did the branded TNT I title. Would have been interesting. That's their secondary belt, a TNT mm-hmm. title. I just think it would be interesting if they're gonna model it after boxing, as you're as you're suggesting. It's like, but boxing is broken up by weight class. There's a reason that they have those other. Belts, I don't know. I don't right? know enough about boxing. Uh, the lightweight guy <laughs> can never be the heavyweight well, guy. I, I, I there, there were times. I mean, times have changed. There were times where the battle over the intercontinental title or the Intercontinental title holder was just as big as the World Heavyweight title, a la Ultimate Warrior, having the Intercontinental Championship facing Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania was was huge. And it kind of begs a question of what's the purpose of these belts? Because it's not like a boxing class where it's like a cruiserweight title, but is is the second best guy in the business the one that holds the secondary belt? Or is it like all of your top guys all go for the heavyweight belt and the the intercontinental belt and USL is more of like the mid-card championship. It's not, it's, it's the mid-card championship, but it's also, yeah, I mean, it used to be the most mid-card championship, right? Like, 
your intercontinental, your, your classic WWF intercontinental champions were never like the big guys. Well, that would have been ridiculous. Well, well, so I was always an IC belt guy. I always big intercontinental belt guy. Uh, it was intercontinental because it was obviously won by Pat Patterson in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro that nobody saw or knew about. <laughs> but that is the he became the first intercontinental champion. Um, and mm-hmm. what the intercontinental championship is, is, is always been is a combination of two things. When it's at its best, it is a, the next guy up, like the ultimate warrior or Bret Hart or, you know, Shawn Michaels, like it's those or Chris Jericho, the next Wait, it was the best of the mid card on their way to being at the top. But also the other thing is is what they say is it's also the workhorse title because the world championship is not defended that much. And it's definitely not defended. You know, back in the day was not defended as much at all. And it definitely wasn't defended at house shows. Now the intercontinental championship, they would give it to a guy like uh, Mr. Perfect. They'd give it to a guy like Bret Hart. They'd give it to a guy, you know, like guys who could really go. Um, Tito, Tito Santana, Santana, Rick Rude, Chris Jericho. That's why he's had yeah. it so many times. Savage. Cool. Savage yeah, had yeah it. exactly. So guys who could really go and would could go and put on a show every night. It was really the, cha- the, the championship that was like a lot of times more spotlighted than the world title. Remember when the remember when the Mountie won it at a house show, and then they talked about it the next I'm night on the Mountie, Raw? I and I declare war, declare war, because you can never. And if you're wondering who the Mountie <laughs> is, just visit Wrestling with Friends Instagram account because Dave posted how handsome he was last week. If it's in his song, it says he's handsome. If you don't know who the Mountie is, if you don't know who the Mountie is, <laughs> See, that's, that's... I don't know why you're listening to yeah. this podcast. <laughs> that was his name, Jacques. I a break with Sean. Is I think that the, is at the end of the day, if there's only one belt and everyone's going for it, there's no way that your mid to low card guys are ever going to win the world championship. And therefore, what are they fighting for? Uh, other than like a paycheck, right. this I think it gives people to say, "All right, look, I'm not going to be." A Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, or John Cena, or another top guy. So I've got something to fight for, and that makes their wins and losses as a low-card, mid-card guy. It gives them something to reach for. It gives them a brass ring to go for, and I I like that aspect. I hate when the belt is used as a prop or is, like, insignificant. You know, it's better when people actually really – Right, when people really care about getting that belt – and what's what's make the belt special, and that's why you have the the belt sometimes is is made by the wrestler who carries it, and how that wrestler is booked, um, and that's yep. why it could be some of kind of the the best matches out there because you have a guy like Mister Perfect, or you have the, the Honky Tonk Man who held it for what two three hundred days, where it was who's going to beat the Honky Tonk Man for the belt? That Ultimate Warrior comes in and beats him in ten seconds. And <laughs> best squash ever. Be, yeah, put the Ultimate Warrior so over because everyone was coming for that belt. No one could beat the Dastardly Hockey Talk Man until the Ultimate Warrior just came in and made, made you know, and took that belt all the way to the WWF Championship and one of the most popular main events, if not the popular main event of all time in WrestleMania. And that's a similar thing because that was actually the Ultimate Warrior was then he was the holder of the Intercontinental Championship and the WWF Championship. Uh, you know, so it's another interesting time. But then he obviously he uh, gave up the IC belt right away. Focus on face painting and steroids and being the world champion, as he should. Yes. As everyone really, should. We don't spend enough time with face painting. Honestly, if you don't, I was just gonna. God, I was just gonna say. You know, if we all spent a little more time painting our faces, wouldn't the world be a better place? It would be because most people would be inside painting their faces instead of outside getting people. Sick yeah, that's that. almost true. But if you remember, Dave and I painted our faces, and then we tried to hmm. get Jerry June out of his house to come destroy the neighborhood with us for Hanukkah Havoc. So, 
I'm not interested in what you did in your juggalo days. <laughs> uh, we don't talk about Hanukkah Havoc, but we did paint Why our faces. Why don't we talk about Hanukkah Havoc? <laughs> Why don't we talk about it? I don't know if yeah, why can't we talk about it? I don't know if the statute of limitations. First of all, the statute of limitations. The statute of limitations. The are gone on destroying people's houses. Yes. Oh my gosh. Listen, let's save that. Let's save that for Hanukkah. Let's save that for Hanukkah. The lawyers said we can talk about it, so I'm going to at least tease it. The important part about it is that I'm going to tease this, and we can bring it up during our Halloween episode, assuming our podcast makes it that long. But this story. This story involves involves illegal destruction of property, humping deers, eating pie, and reefs. Stay tuned for our episode. Some news in wrestling right now. The big thing right now is where um, everyone's 90-day non-compete clauses are about to run out. Um, and there's a lot of speculation of where they're going to sign. These, of course, are the wrestlers that were released en masse by the WWE during cutbacks of, uh, a couple of little, yep. few months ago. Uh, before we get to that, um, in New Japan news, uh, Evil has forsaken Los Ingrenobles de Japan and joined the Bullet Club. I don't know. You guys probably don't follow New Japan that much. But that happened last night at Dominion in a an arena with with fans. It's worth noting, um, and you know it's kind of a big deal because he was one of the most popular characters and one of the most popular factions, and now he's joined the heel faction. Um, my thoughts on it: it kind of seems like they're just doing anything they can to keep the Bullet Club brand alive. But as we were discussing with our buddy Matt Cohen last night, Sean, who we had on a uh, Friend of the friend show of the on show. a couple episodes ago. Um, big New Japan guy. <laughs> big New Japan guy. Um, Love it. Big, Love big New, Japan. New Japan guy. Um, you know, he's psyched about it. He pointed out there's going to be probably him and Jay White will eventually be feuding over the leadership of the Bullet Club. Some good, Jay White. Some good matchups coming out of that. So, you know, if you're, if you're thirsty for some wrestling with a live crowd, apparently they got it in, under control over there in Japan. Yeah, they got it going it's on in Japan. Japan. Yeah. So how? Yeah, they they clear they they, they figure so, it yeah. out. So what are they doing? How are they wrestling with fans? I don't know. There's no no. I mean, like, is there is there first of all wrestling with fans? Backup name for our podcast in case we get trouble from those other people. <laughs> Ooh, um, but right. how how are they doing it? Is there plexiglass? Is there social distancing? What does it look like? No, they're not doing anything. No precautions taken. Masks, but I think the rates. But they wear masks very, anyway. Always careful. <laughs> it's culturally they've Big worn masks. Trendsetters on the masks. Yes, they Big trendsetters on the masks. The wrestler former no, formerly known as Rusev, now going by Miro, has tested positive for COVID nineteen. So we're wishing him the best. I mean, he was yep. you know good spirits on his Instagram announcing it, saying that we will be celebrating Miro Day soon. And I drink to that. I look forward to. Uh, him getting better. He seems like I, I'm a big fan of big Rusev slash Miro guy. Um, yeah. And he's one of the wrestlers about to have their 90 day non-compete end. Um, now, you know, his might, his decision might be delayed a little bit, obviously, because his should be focused on this virus as, you know, justifiably so. But where do we think, um, you know, Rusev slash Miro may end up eventually? Anybody have any guesses? I think he's – you don't think he's going to stay put? You don't think he's going to just stay doing what he's doing right now, just at home, <laughs> relaxing? You think he's going so somewhere think else? He's just going to retire? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I mean, I think he's the, – the man, the man got sick. I think he's going to be probably very cautious going forward. I, where do you go that you feel safe No, I mean right when now? he gets better, he's not going to never work again. He's going to still be a wrestler. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Well, well, I'm asking you. Is no, he going to You know, God, you know, Baruch Hashem, he makes a full recovery. I can see yeah. Rusev. Well, no, I'm not even saying if he doesn't oh. recover fully. I'm just saying he recovers fully and then he goes, what is the state of the world now I'm recovered fully from this? Where, where, where am I going to go wrestle? Barring an existential crisis from Miro, um, I actually I think New Japan makes a lot of sense for him. Not just for the reasons apparently that they've got uh, COVID very much under control there, but 
I just think that, um, you know, obviously everybody wants to see everyone sign with AEW and I don't think everyone's going to be able to sign with AEW and New Japan I think a lot of guys are going to do stints in New Japan where AEW seems to allow people like Moxley and Jericho to moonlight. And I think it suits the style well. I mean, Rusev versus Evil, uh, who we were just talking about, would be brutal. You, it would be – you could there's going to be some fucking brutal matches, um, matchups in New Japan for Rusev. So that's what I think is he's so going to get. So you think he's going to – you ask me. Move across the world while his wife, a real life wife, who's played by the character Lana, is continuing to work in WWE. Well, they do stints. I mean, they do stints. Like when the Young Bucks were working in Japan, their wives lived in America. Um, You know, they figure it out. I think they live on the West Coast. You know, you you work it out. You work it out. But they're wrestlers. They're in different companies. I think I assume they're prepared to both spend time on the road separately. Um, moving on, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, former members of the Bullet Club, um, they seem to be heading towards Impact. Um, it was it's heavily rumored that they've signed a contract with uh, Impact, and but they'll also be doing moonlighting in New Japan, where of course they're giant stars. Um, do you guys see them staying in Impact? Ethan, I know you were a big Impact guy in 2009. I don't know. I One, I think you mentioned on this podcast like two months ago that we don't deal with baseless speculation. And I like I honestly just don't have anything to add to that. I don't have any insider info. All I all my feeling is is that the Impact brand doesn't seem that desirable of a location with some of the other options that are there. It sounds like they're getting a lucrative contract where they have creative control, they can go to New Japan, make dual incomes, and they're making good money. So good for them. But I'm not watching Impact Wrestling. I don't think that we have really mentioned Impact Wrestling and what's happening there more than just a passing mention on it. And so so I just don't know. When you watch New Japan and we're watching the Bullet Club, uh, you were so excited for Gals Anderson to join the WWE. I didn't know much about them, but I could probably objectively say that their WWE run was not reflective of how how big these guys were in New Japan. So I just have yet to see these guys really perform at their prime. When they started, it was like this whole bit where they were jokesters with the New Day, and it just, I don't know, it just fell flat. I never felt like they were big-time performers, and I just don't know if they were used that well. So... If they've got a great situation in Impact Wrestling, awesome. What I really like about this move and what what I think would be really attractive as a casual wrestling fan is seeing more integration between the AEW's Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor, and New Japan. I love how these bigger indie promotions can almost, in a way, uh, come together like the Rebellion – in Star Wars to take on the WWE to make some sort of a bigger bigger impact. If there was more crossover between those promotions, impact. you know, uh, I, I think it would make a bigger impact. And I would really like to see yeah. that. I'd love to see, you know, Switchblade Jay White over in New Japan show up one day for a match with Kenny Omega in AEW and then members of, you know, the, uh, the inner circle showing up on impact taking out Gallows and Anderson. What if they, what if they all combined and called themselves the New Japan Ring of Impact, <laughs> and it was just one large federation like like you're talking about, yeah. an Avengers style Actually, federation? Let's just trademark that name, Ethan. <laughs> the New Japan Ring yes, of we'll Impact. We'll have the Four Horsemen <laughs> copyrighted. We'll yep. be there. <laughs> and I believe uh, Special Delivery Jones as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, ooh, this is this is going to be fantastic. So, this says to me that Gallows and Anderson didn't sign with AEW. Is this says to me what I've been speculating this whole time is that they don't have money to sign everybody right now. Like, and I think they're signing a short term deal with Impact um, until a time when AEW will have uh, more revenue coming in from live from uh, live audiences, live shows again, where uh, they'll have ticket sales and maybe then they'll go to AEW. 
But yeah, I think this is short term if I had to guess. Matt Cardona, Zach Ryder, a favorite of ours, represent LI. Um, I think got to be AEW, as we talked about, I think, many times uh, before. EC3, Ethan, a favorite of ours, also who never really got a fair shake in WWE. We were fans of him since his Derek Bateman days, uh, the American guy. The USA guy in early NXT. I mean, he seems to be teasing everywhere. He's obviously a former Impact world champion. He's Ethan Carter III. Um, So, you know, where is he going? Nobody knows. Could be Ring of Honor. Could be Impact. You know, uh, but I'm just hoping for the best for that guy. Because he's a major talent. This guy is a beast, okay? He's got charisma. He's not bad on the mic. His in-ring skills are fine, but you put him up against a Brian Cage. You put him up against some of these big guys. There are very few wrestlers who have the physique of EC3. And the, he's a he really is. And he never got a fair shake in, in his first round of WWE. He then goes to Impact, becomes the heavyweight champion, goes back to WWE, has a decent run in NXT, and then flatlines once he gets to the main roster. I just think Vince or the higher-ups never saw much in EC3 and basically offered him some money to take him away, take the champion away from a competitor, and then buried him. Um, you know, I don't know if that was really the intention, but whatever it is, he's not going over in the WWE, and I hope this new persona that he's doing, which is kind of like F Twitter, F you guys. Like, I don't care about your new age culture. Like, you know, um, I'm just going to train harder. He shaved his head. He's kind of an edgier attitude. I hope he takes it somewhere. I hope he does something with it. He's always been a guy that's had a lot of potential in our eyes that we just haven't seen, you know, really be able to maximize that potential. Yeah, on Twitter now he's going as essential character three, so it's kind of cool. It's kind of dystopian. I wonder where, where where it will end up. Um, and yeah, no Heath Slater. You know Heath Slater. Now uh, he was one third of the three man band uh, who have since come back uh, to both become world champions in Jinder Mahal and Drew and Drew McIntyre. But Heath Slater made a surprise appearance on Raw last week. Um, it was just a one-time thing, but he stole the show in a promo with Drew McIntyre. Um, after the show, he indicated it was a one-time performance, but he's also been showing some training picks. He's been putting on some masks. He's like, look out. This seems to be a new Heath Slater that's going to be hitting the indies, and I wish him the best um, because he seems like an awesome dude. You know what? Also. He, I, so I met Heath Slater, and he is an awesome dude. Now, there's a lot of other people hitting the hitting the hitting the free market like Leo Rush and Eric Rowan, but there's too many to go into. What we need to talk about right now is that at Extreme Rules, the horror show, uh, Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins are having a pull your fucking eyeball out match. I believe it's called. It's the Extreme Rules match, Dave, and it is extreme. Uh, no, it will be an eye for an eye match, and the it's got this stupid stipulation that says that one of the say the Seth Rollins or Rey Mysterio is going to lose an eye, that one of them will have their eye ripped out of their head, and. <laughs> And but ne- but now the rumor is that they're basically gonna do it with like CGI. It's gonna be a, the, the whole thing is gonna be one of those taped cinematics, you know, Undertaker style cinematic, cinematic matches. matches. Yeah, and and it's going to be like a taped match, and uh, yeah, they're gonna use CGI. It's gonna be like a. It's gonna be like a, watching a Mortal Kombat cutscene. I <laughs> well, wrestlers, wrestlers getting there, but like, but Mortal Kombat from 1998. I hope they play yeah. that. I hope they play that when the eye gets ripped out. But there's like a long history in wrestling of you know like eye injuries as gimmicks. Um, most recently in AEW, um, they did it to John Moxley, and then also to. Um, um, Either Ortiz or Santana. Um, Do you think that Rey Mysterio? I think Rey Mysterio is going to lose his eye, and then I think that'll be just be it. He's just they'll just retire, or they'll just keep a mask on him with a with a patch over his eye. 
Um, yeah, I have no idea what they're going to do with this. If someone's Forever. eye gets ripped out, I presume they'll get better from it somehow. Uh, <laughs> How? No. If their eye gets ripped out, that's it. Like, like they have to either retire or like, they, or they have to wear an eye patch for the rest of their wrestling career. You can't rip someone's eye out and then just have their eye I mean, be back. That makes that's no, ridiculous. no. Of course, there would never be any inconsistent continuity in. I don't think Terrible Ted would stand for it. Terrible I'll tell you Ted that. Ted did not live and die in the ring and lick ice cream off of Breath of Hitman Heart's adolescent feet for them to put someone's eye back in. Yeah. For, the, for CGI, for C fake CGI eye rip. <laughs> Terrible Ted ripped your head right out of your eye. Ted, what do you think? Oh, he's. <laughs> see, Ted, yeah. he's, Ted agrees. He's, he's the Wookiee, Thank apparently. You, Ted. No, that's a bear noise. That's yeah. so <laughs> Thank you, Terrible um, Ted. Now, the Terrible Ted, Terrible Ted, <laughs> may he rest in peace. R.I.P. Terrible Ted. Ethan, register no. Terrible Ted, the wrestling bear, <laughs> right now. Also, please. Yeah, as soon as you guys let me create an LLC yeah, really. for this podcast. Yeah. You got it. Oh, yeah, I'm down. Um, and speaking of, you know, our, our morning for Terrible Ted, um, you know, that's our segue into uh, as we conclude our Shiva yeah. for the dead man, the Undertaker. Bechaye coin, over yame coin, over chaye de hol base Yisrael, Bagola uvisaman koriv, viemru amen. Yehesh me rabba mevorach, le olam ule olame olmaya. Yisboreich v'yishtabach v'yisboreich v'yisboreimam v'yisnasei That's it. We've sat Shiva all week for the final resting. So we're all sitting on boxes, as we mentioned yep. last week, as is it, the Jewish custom. You guys yep. might not be aware of the Jewish custom of sitting Shiva, but it's how we mourn. It's awkward and boring, like yep. most parts of, of Judaism. <laughs> that practice Judaism. Um, yep. Yeah, we're going to, yep. you know, you talk, you yeah, I, I I'm I've chosen to sit on a low stool instead of a instead of a, a cardboard box, but it's gonna, it's acceptable. My mirrors are good, all good. I'm on a very uncomfortable ottoman. I think that counts. As part of our morning process for the dead man, we're at the part where yeah. we've now drinking some peach yep. schnapps, some manischewitz, and now we're reminiscing yep. about the good times yep. of the dead man's career. So, yes. who wants to talk about their favorite Undertaker moments? Oh, I've got, I'll tell you my favorite Undertaker, my favorite memory of the Undertaker is the, uh, I loved the Papa Shango story arc. I loved the Taker versus the weird voodoo guy, like storyline. And I love that, like, they terrorized each other. I had like, that was when I was at the height of like believing wrestling was like, as real as I could believe it was. Yeah, it was just super you know? grounded in reality like, storyline, so I could see why. <laughs> I was, I was like, I was just like, but it was, it was just fun, right? It was the most, for me, it was just like the most fun part of, of like my, one of my most fun memories of wrestling was, was that whole storyline and the, the way it all like broke down and, and and it played out with the ultimate warrior and then later on he came back and he fucked it, it, it was man it was great that's awesome i liked it that's awesome ethan what what's you got yeah. any great undertaker uh stories that you you know memories of your of yourself yeah of yourself. i do that's uh, so <laughs> one match i always wanted to see was undertaker versus big van vader that never really had an epic match in the WWF or at least one that lived up to any expectations because you had the beast of WCW, the athletic big giant mastodon beast of WCW versus the big larger than life uh, dead man in WWE. 
but I did have that match. Also an athletic big man. Yes. Uh, also a super athletic big man. Yeah. yeah. I always want to see what type of match could these guys put together. You don't see a moonsaulting 300-pound man, and you don't see a six-foot-eight, you know, 290-pound guy walk the ropes and, and jump off of it. So I would, I would love to see this. And that dream never got to be a reality, at least in having a great match that I can remember, until I had a match between The Undertaker and Vader with Ben Torak and a 20 <laughs> and a 20 sided die. All right, we all know oh. that games that have these multiple sided dies are for dorks, right? Wait, wait, games for multi-sided <laughs> dies is like the most Chad way you could ever describe role-playing games. All right, so we'll talk about that. So you and Ben Torok, who is a wrestling with friend friend of ours from back in middle school, back in like one of the people that we would watch pay-per-views with. He's been he's been mentioned multiple times on the nine episodes. Listen, this Ben Torok, big far. part in our in our young wrestling fandom. Yeah, Maybe we should have him on the show. And Dave and I's friendship really we should have him on the show. at Orbound Wrestling Events at Ben Torok's place. That's right. WrestleMania 12, I believe it was, yeah. was Diesel versus The Undertaker. So Ben and I had this big debate. Who would win in a match between Vader and Undertaker? And we were both incredibly firm in our beliefs. Like, yeah, I know The Undertaker is great <laughs> and all, and he's got to earn – Okay, but Vader was just stronger. Vader was bigger. Vader could do more high-flying moves. Vader was taking down the likes of Ric Flair, Sting, and others <laughs> at a time where the, the Undertaker was taking out Papa Shango, right? So we said the only way to settle this was, no, no, it doesn't roll Papa Shango. He's just not on the level of Sting and Ric Flair and, and, and all the, the other greats, you know? So he no, of course was not. winning against big competition all the time. And the only way to settle this is Ben had some sort of wrestling game with like a 20-sided yeah. die. And how it works is like each of you, I don't remember this, remember sitting on the floor of his brother's room. And you roll a dice, and that tells you, like, how much damage your move is going to do. And perhaps you can roll another dice, and it says if you have, like, defense or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 Ethan, guess what? You played yeah, a wrestling awesome. role-playing game. Someone let, let me play it. I hate to break um, it to you. Anyway, this match was everything you would have wanted in an Undertaker Vader match. Like, we got down to, like, no hit points each, right? Like, these wrestlers are just have nothing left in the tank, and Ben rolls the Tombstone pile driver, and I had, like, one roll on some 20-sided die to kick out of this tombstone, and Vader kicks out of the Tombstone pile driver. It was unbelievable. He had literally nothing left. So then, right, I roll the fucking die, right, for the moonsault, and I hit the moonsault. And then the Undertaker, he's got nothing left in the tank. He, hold up, no. Hide out. Hide this. You're... <laughs> ben, there has one fucking thing on the stupid die to kick out of the moonsault, and he kicks out. And the Undertaker sits up, right? Looks over at Vader, and everyone's Bum. like, no. He then rolls his, his whatever for the tombstone. I, Vader, go to counter. I miss it by like an inch. Boom. One, two, three. Undertaker won in the most epic battle in the history of rolling dice wrestling. Well, Undertaker's trip win. <laughs> and that was his favorite I mean, Undertaker I've been with you for, for 25 years, and we've talked about wrestling a hundred times. I would have, a million times, I would have never, you could have, I would have never predicted that in a million years. That's your favorite Undertaker story ever. Wow. We we have got to get Ben Torok on a, on an episode, and we've got to get him to to talk to us about uh, that wrestling game and his yeah. memories of that match. Now hey, I need can to we know get that game. 
Yeah, yeah. No, we, and can we get that game? Let's call him and ask him. Let's just get him on the show to ask him if we. Can I used to play that. the Street Fighter role playing game a lot at the Torox house, and I wonder if that's what they used because I don't remember there being a wrestling game, but there might have been. Who knows? <laughs> Maybe they just didn't play with you because you weren't cool enough, but they played it with mm-hmm. Ethan because he was cool and he didn't. Maybe they, they were playing hard to get. <laughs> they like that. They like that. All right, yeah. Dave. What, what about you? What's your favorite memory of the Dead Man? Well, actually, this is one that we were watching yeah. a pay-per-view at one of your random-ass soccer friends' houses. Ah. Like, I don't even know where, who this was. And it was the bad blood. The ba- I don't know. Alan. The bad blood in your house. It was Alan, man. Yeah, Dave, he, he was, was the Alan. Goal. Just yeah. acknowledge that it was Alan. Alan. I can either confirm or deny. Yeah. Why are you being so dismissive? It was Alan Alan's very, house. I don't remember Alan. I'm just saying. I don't know. You're right. Well. All right, sure. but he told you, Alan, and then you just sure. you barreled sure. on like it didn't matter. His Alan, name was Alan. Was Alan. <laughs> he was the goalie. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, the first Hell in the Cell match, it was between Shawn Michaels and Undertaker, one of their many legendary matches. And it was, for a time, like my favorite match ever. It was so brutal. It was so amazing. And then Kane comes in. That must be Kane," said uh, Jr. Um, and I think that's that's my favorite Undertaker. But also the streak ending, I marked out big time. I mean, my I was that guy who's in the GIF who is super surprised. GIF. It's I a was GIF. That, it's a GIF. GIF. It's a GIF. It's a GIF. Yeah. It's not GIF, peanut, like butter, GIF guy. peanut butter. Graphic. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, um, I'm a big fan of that. And of course, Sean Ethan, when we went to Monday Night Raw and The Undertaker was hoist on his symbol, uh, he was not crucified. He was yep. hoist on his symbol and lifted to the ceiling. Yep. That's pretty memorable to me because of yeah. you guys, my yeah, friends, that was my wrestling friends. Yeah. Dave, what what's your shirt that you're wearing on your Well, this week this I'm week? wearing as we, I was – I've been thinking about the the nitro grill since last week, and <laughs> as you do, screaming you know, of that menu, and get you know the big sexy porterhouse. Uh-huh. So this week I'm wearing a Monday WCW Monday Nitro shirt. It's got fire on it. It's got the TNT logo. I like to watch it when I'm. Wow. I like to wear it when I'm watching AEW. Uh, and yeah, it's awesome. It's fucking Heather Gray. What a dig. That's no, on TNT. Just saying. Yeah. No, oh, I know. All right. Well, you guys, where, um, where, where, uh, where are we on the internet? Where, where, where are we and what are we doing? Dave, this was the best week yet. I think in my opinion, it was really had a real good with rhythm guys. I love you guys. Oh. That's an important part of wrestling with friends. Thank you. Oh, I, I love you guys. That's yeah I, yeah. I would love it if you guys invited me to play Dungeons yeah. and Dragons. You know what? I'm busy You're that night. I'm busy. Just, He's got a you know, Thursday and a Monday know, maybe, game. Just maybe another time oh, you can catch me. Come on. No, it's, uh, the fucking heel. Oh. Yeah. What about on What do. about on Mondays? Oh, yeah. At uh, yeah, at eight p.m. Eastern. All right. Well. We'll try you next week. I'll try you every week now for the rest of your life until you finally are able to play with us. And I hope you roll up a beautiful card. Uh, Ethan, where can people find wrestling with friends on the internet if they want to <clears throat> tell us what yeah, they're doing? You can uh, find us on Instagram by searching for wrestling with friends and also on Twitter. Wrestling with friends on Twitter as well. And Dave Kushner, where do people find you on the internet to uh, ask you for pictures of uh, The Undertaker? <laughs> Um, oh, no. you send them out. I've got pictures of the Undertaker. Yeah, he's got a lot. Him. If you ask him, him, he'll send it to you gladly. I got, I got yeah. him. Um, yeah. You could find me on Twitter at Dave Kush, D A V E K U S H. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, but there's a period in the middle at D A V E period K U S H. Oh. Wow, and uh, and I'm uh, I'm uh, I'm around on the internet. You can find me at Sean Wrights. And as I say, if you don't know how to spell it, then it's not for you. <laughs> and, uh, and if you don't know who Papa Shango is, 
or the and mountain. if you don't know who Papa Shango is, it's also not for you. And if you're not into ska music, uh, it's also not for you. So <laughs> the, all those caveats uh, aside, please find me. I love uh, my new followers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dave, do you want to sing the theme song so that we can get out of here and I can go food shopping? I had to pee for so long, so uh, do it. Yeah, uh, so I'm getting, I'm getting a nod from our producer that it's time for me to go. My producer telling me not to talk to you anymore because <laughs> we're wrestling with yeah. my friends. Who we wrestling with? Wrestling with friends. Who we wrestling with? This podcast is a Mobius strip nightmare and I love it.